The Telegraph. The Telegraph. Podcasts. Hello and welcome to Brian Moore's Full Contact with The Telegraph. Round two of the Premiership and Pro 14 action is done and dusted. And here in the studio to unpick it all is the former Leicester Saracens and England hooker, George Shooter. Hello, George. Good evening, Maureen. How are you? Very well, thank you. Very well. Good man. Currently director of rugby at Hinkley. Now, how's that going? <laughs> yeah, it's good. Um, yeah, we're, we're at, we're at uh, National League uh, 2 North, so level four. Uh, pretty competitive league, so mm. semi-pro and, and uh, a lot of good players coming down from higher up, uh, quite a few young players coming up. So, yeah, it's... Uh, it's How have you found, because I think you do it all, don't you? You do all the negotiations <laughs> and yeah, uh, all I, these sort of things. Yeah, yeah, that's part of the job. I do, uh, spent all summer doing recruitment, travelling around the, well, mainly the Midlands, but uh, some that's a little bit further north as well. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I, I still still coach a fair bit as well. We've got a good coaching team up there already, but I still do my bit there. So, yeah, it's pretty all-encompassing, but um, it's, it's, a, it's a challenge. It's different to anything I've done before and um, last year was my first year went pretty well but this year obviously the second year syndrome people are, people know who you are there's less yeah. of that sort of uh, a mystery about Hinkley but also there's a bit more work for me to do Well we'll be speaking with Gastinson later in the show so uh, I'll get to Wasps Exeter later but first let's, so let's start with Leicester <laughs> as indeed we should do Matt O'Connor he went um, we did have a chat about that but Joel Murphy we did, I didn't know how it would go I mean the fact that they Recorded a significant win, um, and the fact that it looked as though they were playing with the shackles off, certainly people like George Ford. Yeah. Is that just a question of the bounce, the natural bounce that you get when you have someone else in, or is it a bit more than that, do you think? Uh, I think it's probably <laughs> probably a little bit of both, if that's possible. There's always going to be a, a reaction when um, when new coaches, new directors, rugby, whatever, come into to a club. It's the same in all sports, football. Uh, we've seen it years, year after year. Uh, so that three or four game spell after the new appointment is 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 generally when the the spirits are lifted. After that, the the dust settles a bit, and and you have to get back to work, and you, you're not on that high anymore. So yeah. I guess the next few weeks will be the challenge. The challenge will be to keep that momentum going. And there was certainly a great reaction from the players. I mean, they, like I say, they looked like they uh, were free of some burdens. And, and again, this is no disrespect to Matt O'Connor, but he is he is quite a, a, a prescriptive coach. He likes yeah. to have things mapped out, as actually um, a lot of Australian coaches tend to do. They're very they're very uh, particular about how they want their teams to play and sometimes that can be good if you've got the right players other times you're actually stifling people I think that's probably the case uh, with well Jordan was a, was a you know, notoriously unpredictable yeah. <laughs> yeah. player yeah. and so on I, I don't imagine he can bring that, that that same degree of unpredictability to his coaching but that sort of maverick uh, approach as a player surely will appreciate players who who can perhaps do that, which O'Connor may not see in the same way. Yeah, I, yeah, I totally agree with that. I think, I mean, uh, it's very difficult to have an impact in four days or whatever Geordie oh. had, but the, the, the key for me is that Geordie's actually been in different environments. He's been out to New Zealand. He's uh, watched Wayne Smith at work and he's done a bit of work in South Africa. So while he actually hasn't coached a huge amount, certainly on the, a premiership level, he's got a, a taste of what's out there and, and certainly some of the new styles of coaching. And again, uh, without disparaging Matt too much, he was very old school. He was very much, this is how we do it. I want you to do it this way. Down to things like how you get off the outside foot, how you take the ball and, and give it on. Very, very, very detailed, which is good in a way, but I think when you're running a team, you need a bit more uh, reliance on people's flair. And I think Geordie, Geordie would have picked that up and that you actually you want to empower the players more than tell them what to do because at the end of the day, you don't, you don't, you don't play on a training field. You, you have to play what's in front of you on a Saturday. Well, Dino, uh, he's lost two in a row now, but look... Get him the, out, get him out. <laughs> yeah, out, out, out. Uh, I know we've got we short-termism, but uh, the fact is they've been... They've not been easy games, mm. 
to a certain extent, you could make a case for Newcastle possibly overachieving last year. And second, as they say, second season syndrome, yeah. when everyone actually, when you're on the radar and people take you seriously. Because I'm sure last year people were thinking, at some point, Newcastle are going to blow. <laughs> they're they're, they're going to yeah. go, they can't. Yeah. And now they know they're not. Then they have to be taken uh, uh, that bit more. He said, look, there were some key individuals making key mistakes at key times. He got key in quite a lot there. And uh, <laughs> that ultimately cost us. First 30 minutes wasn't acceptable. I suppose when you've got a playing squad that's, I'm, I'm not being unkind, but relatively limited, you have to make do with what you've got. You don't have the sort of luxury of bringing other things in. So this is a true test of of coaching ability, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And I think the, the coaching team he's got up there is, is pretty strong. And I think they showed that last year, that they can get the best out of, as you say, a, a relatively limited squad, certainly in terms of numbers. Um, but actually, I mean, you're right. The, the two games, Saracens and, uh, and Leicester, they're, they're, they're very close games. You could argue that Newcastle did enough to win both those games. Obviously, you need to score score the points. You don't just create the chances. But they've gone to Welford Road and scored 30, 30 odd points, or whatever it is. Played really well, and, and that is after a, a 20, 30 minute start that was pretty poor. So I think they'll be. They're still a team that's learning how, how to play with each other, and they've had a few new uh, additions this year, which will be crucial to them, particularly in the front five. Uh, but I, I think they're a team that will certainly uh, get better as the season goes along and. I don't think last year was a flash in the pan. Dean's no. far too wily and, and knowledgeable to, to let that happen. I think, look, I mean, you uh, knew him. Uh, I knew him very well in different uh, guys because he wasn't really the coach. Uh, oh, he wasn't a coach when I uh, was a contemporary of his. Did you ever suspect that he had this ability? Because one of the things that it wasn't, it, it was, it's been his ability at relatively uh, successive clubs to pick players, a good selector, and a good identifier of uh, talent and styles, mm. as opposed to the hands-on coaching aspect. Yeah, I, I never, I, <clears throat> I would never have uh, put that down with him. No, well, it's funny because um, I, I see exactly where you're coming from. He had the reputation of being the player he was and, and the person he was, uh, and actually, you think of him in, a, in an authority position, making decisions and uh, and guiding a squad or guiding a club. Uh, it probably doesn't fit very well. But uh, I think it's funny enough the the job he did at Leicester when he when he finished playing and went straight into coaching. I think that served him really well because what he had at the time was, you know, in, in, well, I think I said this before, one of the one of the best club teams has been assembled. Yeah. But below that, he had a lot of very talented young lads and people like Lewis Deacon, Harry Ellis, uh, these guys coming through the ranks who end up, uh, both Deacons in fact, uh, that, that sort of generation of players and he bloodied them slowly but surely. And I think that's probably where, I know he had a bit of luxury in that he didn't have to chuck them all in because he had uh, World Cup winners and, and all that. But he actually learned that what it takes to develop a player and, don't you know, Harry Ellis? He threw in at the deep end, and he played one of his first games in the. Well, the I mean, at, at that time you could do that. Yeah, now it's getting yeah, much true. more difficult to do that because, as I say, although uh, rugby union is not like football yet, mm. people are insistent on results much more yeah. quickly than they ever were. It is, but the best jobs he's done have been at, well, at Quinns, for example, where he was given a few years to sort of yes. make, make his mark. And by the end of that, I mean, I know he was cut short by other circumstances, <laughs> but by the end of that, he had a team that won the Premiership the year after. Yeah. Newcastle, he's been given three years so far to, to work his magic, as it were. And he's done it slowly but surely. And I think that that's, that's, that's a really difficult uh, balance to strike because, as you say, you want to win, but at the yeah. same time, you've got to I think Dean appreciates you've got to build a club up with the youngsters, get a few talented foreigners in, which is which is perfectly reasonable, which he did at Leicester as well with Stransky and uh, Fritz van Heerden and Pat Howard and these sort of people. Uh, so he, he knows what it takes to build a team. You know, granted, nowadays it probably takes a little bit longer and people are a little bit less patient, but the the patience the Newcastle board or owners or whoever have shown him are starting to pay off, I think. 
Well, Bristol uh, were always going to be a, a slightly unknown factor, given that they have got the resources they've got. I never thought that there was going to be any danger of them being at least competitive, like some of the teams that have come up. Uh, but they, it was, you know, it's just, although they did well in the first half against Southampton, uh, I think they found, um, you know, what Premiership rugby is about because yeah. the previous week Bath were so profligate and so wasteful <laughs> that you know they couldn't possibly. Uh, in two weeks, uh, get the same largesse from from other people, and they they just showed that's the difference, isn't it? You get re- relatively few chances, yeah. and all your frailties will be exposed by really good teams. Absolutely, that, that's why Saracens are a top team perennially. Uh, they are they are cut above they are cut above most teams, um, and certainly a team that's just come up, still finding its feet. Yes, you've got people who have played international rugby, and yes, you've got Premiership players, blah blah, but. They haven't played Premiership um, as a team together mm. at all, and that's that's important. And things like when you start losing collisions and things don't go as they planned on the on the training field, you start looking around, thinking who's gonna who's gonna tell me what to do now. And until you get that sort of team unity, which might be five games in, might be well, as London Welsh showed, you might never get it. Um, it. It's very difficult. It's always going to be a very difficult slog the first month of the season for a newly promoted team, whatever squad you got together. Didn't help when you get fourteen men either. <laughs> yeah. Now, what do you what do you think of the card? Did you? Well, I mean, it 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 looked it's the same as everything. It looks bad in slow motion, but it, yeah. by the current uh, interpretations, it was a shoulder to the head. It was forceful. There were clearly no arms in the tackle. I think it was. Yeah. Uh, I think by the current regulations, it's a clear red card to me. The, the other the other thing as well is, and I don't know why. Uh, presumably, you have to have this discussion with your players as well. Uh, unless someone wrong foots you and you can't do much about it, players have the choice as to where they hit. Mm. They can hit however they like, low or high, whatever. Yeah. And you just assume, if you take the risk and someone just slips slightly, you've got to understand yeah. that this is what could happen. So don't do that, please. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and that's all, all we talk about in training is you've yeah. got to be aiming at the waist and lower because yeah. if you aim at the ball and you slip up, which, which naturally happens because of physics, yeah. um, you, you're liable to a minimal penalty. And then yellow cards and red cards come yeah. into it as well. And, and this high tackle, the seatbelt rule, there's absolutely no benefit from tackling the ball anymore uh, no. certainly not if you're the first player if you're the second guy in I, mean, I don't agree with seatbelt tackling no, no, at all but that's irrelevant yeah but it is exactly yeah. it is what it is you've got to you've got to buy but there's plenty of laws I'm sure when you were playing certainly when I was playing I didn't agree with yeah, yeah. well all of them really yeah, yeah, most of them certainly <laughs> yeah. but yeah you, you get nothing these days from aiming at the ball particularly if you're yeah. the first man in. if you're hitting low and chopping and someone else is coming to finishing off then stopping the offload that sort of thing is understandable but George Smith there uh, actually Jackson Ray wasn't even looking at him he, he sort of Half spun round and yeah. turned round, and George Smith was in his yeah. was in his chest. Mind and, you, it could have been worse. It could have been like Bastero, couldn't it? <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> shocking, isn't that? terrible. <laughs> I mean, there's just no defence for that. He, he he got cleared out, didn't like it, legally cleared out, didn't yeah. like it. And well, the guy isn't even. I mean, he's even the guy is face face down, isn't yeah. he? You can't see him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, it was so a he's not smash as well. He, and he, you know, he's 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 eighteen stone. And the rest. And, well, and the rest. Yeah, <laughs> I keep saying that. I say, eighteen stone. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, in your dreams. But the. I mean, the commentator, you said close to assault. I, I, yeah. that, that's not far off, is it? Well, there's, there's, you know, there's been hints in the past. And, you know, when I first started playing, there were people who got taken to court, the civil court, for instance, on the rugby field. I guess the, 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 the uh, deciding factor is he probably didn't connect properly. He managed to punch the ground first 
before yeah. hitting the bloke well, in the good face. Good job. Yeah, exactly. If, if he'd caught him flush, then yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't like to talk about that sort of thing because on the field is on the field. But at some point, you, you're jeopardising somebody's livelihood. Yes, there's got to be. Something well, that's a professional it. game. I mean, yeah. I say to you, your pros, you can tackle anywhere you want. You can do whatever you want because I'll still have a job to, commenting <laughs> and writing about what you do. But it's your it's your health. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and talking about uh, long rap sheets, Dylan Hartley is back on the scene, and uh, <laughs> he well he. You're eminently qualified, as indeed am I actually talk about hooking, but uh, Dylan comes back, he has a good performance, he scores a try. Can he get back to where he was, do you think? Oh, I I don't know, I'm not... You have to ask where he was when he was at his best, and I, I'm, I've, I've said this for quite quite a while now. He's not the player he was, and I suppose nobody's when they when they get older. But he was not the player he was when he burst on the scene no. uh, in the late sort of late two thousands. And uh, I, I just think he's I, I, I don't know. He's the bottom line. I, th- I think he's, he's still a good player. He certainly brings that knowledge and uh, experience. That's fine. But what does he bring around the field? I mean. If scoring tries is, is a uh, is a quality admired in hookers, then I'm, I'm not too sure that the game's going no, in the right direction. To be honest, no, no not unless you've I mean, got Brits is a different matter because yeah, yeah. he's a different sort of character. But I mean, yes, and you, and it's not as if you England have not got options there, yeah, is exactly. it? You know, Luke Cowan Dickey is is maturing, yeah. is playing it, you know better. Uh, Jamie George is, is a finished article as well, yeah. and there are there are others around. I mean, the good strikers. I don't know if players like Taylor or, like Taylor or whatever, actually. you know, people, Thacker even, mm. who are really good ball players, yeah. whether they'll come in. But uh, well, possibly, I suppose the bottom line is if, if, if Dylan Hartley can get back to uh, properly hitting rucks, his contact skills have, have been hit and miss these recently, he misses tackles. If he can get back to the level he was in sort of 2010, 2011, then yes, there's certainly, certainly room for him in the World Cup. Uh, mm-hmm. That 80 that odd caps of experience is priceless, in, in, certainly in the England team right now. We need as much experience as we can get. Um, his throwing's always been fairly solid. Uh, scrummaging is a bit of an issue. He does have a tendency to stand up, always has. Now he's striking the ball uh, properly. I'm, I don't know how that's going to affect him. I know it's been going on for a couple of seasons now, but yeah. it's not, certainly not the strength of his game, I don't think. But if he can get back to being that player he was, then, yeah, of course there's, there's room for him. But the question is, can, can that happen? Can you wind back the clock? Well, now time to speak to a regular contributor to the show. I always enjoy speaking to him. It's Exeter Flyhearth, Gareth Steenson. Hello, Gareth. Hello, how are you doing, all right? OK, I'm here uh, with George. Look, it's a humdinger of a match, wasn't it? It was. It usually is whenever we play each other, to be fair. They always bit tit for tat, like, and just obviously we're delighted to come out on top of it this time. Well, it wasn't going as well. It was very close at half time. What did, uh, if anything, did Rob Baxter impress on you at half time? Oh, no, I think it was more that, you know, we just made a couple of little errors. We kind of went off task a little bit, started doing things that we don't normally do. And um, we tended sometimes when you come up against good opposition like Wasps, they put you under really good pressure in that situation. And fair play to them, they definitely threw a few curveballs at us. But you know, we, we we just gathered ourselves. We said just take the game to the scruff of the neck, and you know we knew it a strong driving mall, and we got some early pressure, early doors, and we were able to capitalise on it. Uh, listen, I, I thought Henry Slade had one of his best games that I've seen for a very long time from him. What, uh, what, 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 what does it take for him to be more consistent at that level? And I mean, I think if he's playing at that level week in, week out, he's a shoo-in for England for me in some position. Uh, he seems to be a little bit hot and cold, but Wasps maybe bring the best out of him. What does he have to do to, to achieve that consistency? Oh, I think, you know, with Henry, you know, he's obviously a very talented guy and he's very, very key to what we do. You know, he, he has that sort of vision as what a fly half would have as well. And, mm. Um, he's brought on a lot in his game. He's got a real good physicality now with what he's doing, and obviously now he's got a lot more experience of playing in the position and playing now at this level. And um, 
I think he just understands the style of game we're looking to play and what his involvement is in the team. So, you know, I think if he just keeps performing, you know, we obviously seen this. It's been a good start for him the first couple of games. Coming off the bench, he was really strong uh, in the first game against Leicester. And, you know, he's just got to keep performing and performing well against guys who are potentially in that position for England as well. Mm. Uh, Gareth, I, I, uh, have there been any sort of route map changes in terms of where you want to go? Is it just refining the things you think you do all very, very well? No, I think it's just refining things. And obviously we add whenever we bring guys in. Um, we don't usually turn over a lot of guys. Um, we're quite fortunate that we've got a group there that is you that are all in the similar sort of age bracket and are, we're brought up on the, the style of play we're looking at. And you're right, obviously, we've we've had to develop and change the style of play to be successful in the Premiership. And um, it's been really good that we've, we've now established a real good 15-man game. And I think in the past, we've probably... Whenever the winter comes in, we've probably struggled a little bit because we haven't had the power maybe up front to be able to do that. But now we've got it right across the board with our backs and our forwards. We've got the driving game when we need it. We've got the 15-man game too if we need it as well. And We're quite happy to play uh, in wet weather conditions. So you know, it's just about refining things and getting the right guys on the pitch to, that can perform to do the job that needs to be done on that particular weekend. Gareth, okay, you're one of the guys, one of the originals, as they call it, um, who came up from the uh, the old the championship. Um, over the last couple of years, you've obviously you've won the premiership, you've, you've been in the finals. How has it changed in terms of how other teams view you? Do you, do you see yourself with the bullseye on your back now as, as a club or are you, are you not aware of all that sort of outside guff? <laughs> I think after last year, after obviously winning the premiership, you know, you definitely, it was a definite change that we noticed that every team that would come up against us would be on their ball, you know, they'd be really coming after us. And it's kind of what we were like as well whenever we really got into the premiership. You know, when we got up, it was very much, let's enjoy this. And we're going to big teams or, you know, you're playing against the Northamptons, the Leicesters, all these big teams. And it was just a learning curve for us. And we've sort of, obviously, we've developed and and to finally get ourselves up into the top four and try to be regulars in that position uh, gives you opportunities to win things. And, They've played in three Premiership finals in the last few years. We we do realise that um, teams are going to come after us, and but that's a new challenge, and that's where the club's at now. And mm. we, we we obviously now know we want to establish ourselves up there, but we also want to kick on when it comes to European competitions as well. Yeah. Well, Gareth, I will let you go. That's uh, that's great as usual. Thank you very much for speaking to us, Gareth Steenson. They're going to be there or thereabouts again, aren't they? <laughs> I'd be very, be very surprised if not. Um, yeah. It's just interesting there. I was thinking that because they came up and they're always one of the sort of the, 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 the little club who'd, yeah. who'd come good almost for a yeah. few years. Then they started creeping up the table. Actually, now being um, a champion and, and a finalist, all that it puts a different sort of target on your back. And I think it other does. clubs and, and I, and I thought actually at that point they may not struggle badly, but they, mm. you know, there may be a hiatus. But actually, yeah. they've they've kicked on through that. They have, yeah. And, and yeah. I, I mean, I think. I don't know what you think, but the, Rob Baxter has, must take a lot of credit for that. Absolutely. And, and I think, uh, Stina mentioned it there, that the, the consistency in the squad, they, they don't lose many players. Yeah. They're getting some fantastic, the, the, the Simmons lads are coming up through the academy and uh, obviously there's a, quite a lot of Southwest lads there from, from various parts, Cornwall, Devon, all that sort of area. Uh, and that's, that's crucial as well. And that's, again, without harking back to, to my day, but that's something Leicester did very well. Lots mm. of local lads who, who are desperate to play for the club, a uh, smattering of foreigners to, to sort of uh, bring a bit of quality and, and, and a bit of learning uh, and then you've got to I mean, keep foreigners from outside Leicester <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah true yeah. What, miles outside Leicester some of them Northampton <laughs> yeah. well that was Dino told me that he said well, wanted, there were far too many voices but we, people from outside Leicestershire I said oh, okay fine uh, well talking about uh, West Country I mean Bath 
But I, 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 Bath were awful in the first week. I mean, they, <laughs> and arrogant in my opinion, you know, for taking, trying to go to the, the corner when they should have taken points and so on. Yeah. And actually, you know, just before half time, I thought, you know, Todd Blackadder must be absolutely at his wits' end yeah. with this team. <laughs> And then they get a try, and then in the second half, completely different. And you were, you were back to the old Gloucester thinking, because I tweeted a couple of years ago, I swear that Gloucester practiced messing things up <laughs> and losing leads. But it, I mean, in well, one sense, it even more popular all, all over the game. You know, the burger van on fire, that was quite interesting, wasn't it? Um, <laughs> I wonder if it was David Flatman. Uh, yeah. Is that, is that right? <laughs> yeah. Well, he's, always, he's always tweeted about barbecues, isn't he? <laughs> always. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, and Eddie Jones was there but to, to look, but. Uh, Cipriani, I mean, what can you say about him? Yeah, it put two pretty outrageous passes in two weeks, didn't it? Yeah, yeah but that, that's that's what he's always been. He's always been that sort of maverick uh, genius in some mm. ways, who a floor genius more more to the point, who can't quite get things together uh, on and off the field. Yeah. There's never been a doubt about his commitment or his playing mm. ability. Never. I don't think I don't think you'll find anyone in the game who's played mm. with or against him that would doubt his commitment in training and his commitment to to team and playing. Mm. But unfortunately for for him, there's there's more to rugby than just being a good player on the field or yes. a fantastic player on the field. Yeah. Uh, and that's that's not necessarily his fault. It's, it's character. It's what people are. It's it's very difficult to sort of stifle that in people. And I'll tell you uh, what he does do for me though. You know, George Ford for me when he's on the front foot. Mm. As good as anyone. Yeah. Owen Farrell at 10 offers you different kicking options, longer kicking options, possibly more defensive solidity. But Cipriani's the one out of the three who, when there are no prospects of nothing happening, just can turn something. Yeah. Yeah. Just looks up, you know, a couple of times against Bath, the little chips that he saw, regathering things, the little off foots of the way. And that to me is a, an ability which I would have thought Eddie Jones would want at least as an option. Yeah, it's, it's a rare talent, isn't it? Like you say, just to, to, to move your body slightly and fix two defenders and put yeah. someone through a hole. Yeah. Uh, it sounds easy, it looks easy on TV, but it's incredibly difficult. Yeah. Uh, and he does it naturally. The little little grubber kicks you're talking about, yeah. he, he played football a lot as a kid and it shows. He's got great great footballing skills. Yeah, yeah and I, I guess uh, Eddie Jones must be thinking, like, How, uh, uh, it's just too much of a maverick for me. I need to know, again, maybe an Australian coaching point of view, I need to, although I've heard he's a bit different, but maybe he just needs a bit more solidity, a bit more dependability. Uh, I mean, you're right, it, it, as an option, it's, it's a no-brainer, really, to bring that off the bench or even to sort of mould it into a bit more of a starting Do you know what? Team. I'll tell you what might do for him uh, and, and damage his chances. And I know this sounds a bit obtuse, but it's, it's whether people like Manu Tulangi and Ben Teo are mm. fit because if he gets those options at inside or outside centre where he's got a big bullocking option mm. and you don't have to play another ball player, yeah. you know, then, he, then he's got a much more direct choice. Maybe, maybe, maybe he has to have a... A direct shootout with Farrell and Ford, then mm. who've, who've always been his first two. Yeah, that's, so, that's a good point. And yeah, I guess with with uh, with with Billy Twelve Trees and Trinder, those sort of guys, you've got those maybe not so direct as Manu and Bentio, but you've got bigger centres who can carry that sort of workload, and they are there as an outlet. If, if things go wrong, you just pop it to them and recycle and play heads up stuff. So yeah, I guess it's you know, it's the same with a lot of positions. It's all about the balance of the team, how Eddie Jones wants to play, how he wants England to play. Um, yeah, you know, I guess that will dictate a lot of the selection, really. Well, I mean, you you, you know uh, obviously him very well, Manu Tuolangi, and he just needs a run of games. Mm. Then we'll we'll see where he is. Yeah, I don't think he can ever be quite as quick as he was with all the things, but he still has got that power. And I, you know, I know for certain that Eddie Jones watched when he basically ran over the All Blacks a couple of times, yeah. and he knows that whilst he he may not uh, have 
quite the same impact when he comes in. He has at least got that particular X factor. He can mm. do things uh, that other players can't. And I'm, and I'm, I don't know. What, do you think he will go to the World Cup if he's anything like fit? Because I do. Yeah, I, th- I think he has to. If he, if he uh, say he's got to play a run of games, he's got to probably got to adapt his game a bit more. I mean, you say he's lost a bit of pace. He looked pretty quick when he broke away. That's at the weekend. true. Yeah. <laughs> but that's obviously one burst. You want you, you're not expecting him to do that uh, 15 times a game like he did in 2012, 13, whenever it was. Uh, but it, hopefully, what he can bring now is a bit more nous. Maybe he's, he's obviously been out of the game for a while, so a few more games now it will, it will sort of build up his fitness. Uh, he can use a bit more of the experience he will be getting. Uh, he doesn't have to throw himself at everything 100 mile an hour. He can pick and choose his moments mm-hmm. to to make one of his big hits. I mean, I saw him last week. He was just flying around trying to make hits everywhere and missed everything. Uh, this week was a bit more sort of caged, a bit more cautious, which is probably the best way to go about it. Yeah, um, I, yeah like I said, I think it, once he gets a, a, should he get a string of games together, prove himself fit, he, he's, he, he'd, be, he'd be one of the first names on, uh, certainly on the squad sheet for the World Cup. And uh, yeah, there's no reason why he shouldn't be able to start games. Well, I've just mentioned finally, um, Sale, uh, narrow victory over Worcester. I think Worcester are going to be a bit tougher than people thought this year, but mm. I still think they are going to have to, you know, scrap. But Sale, I mean, Steve Diamond's already said, yeah, at minimum top six. That might be a bit of a tall order, <laughs> especially if his players keep doing stupid things in pre-season. Yeah, yeah, that's very true. I mean, Sale, Sale, uh, year after year, seem to uh, overachieve. Again, we spoke a little bit about Newcastle. I think with the squad, uh, they've got one of the smallest squads in the yeah. Premiership and certainly got low less names than anyone else has for uh, for want of a better term uh, but they do seem to overachieve and you know, top six is is ambitious they weren't far off it last year of course they weren't and um, it, I think that'll be a minimal target this year that you have to otherwise you know, what, what are you doing if you go into the season there we want to be worse than last year you're not going to do that are you yeah. um, but I mean they, they certainly need to they certainly need to be at their best most of the time um, having Faf de Klerk back will, will make a big um, big a big difference because I tell you he's a hell of a player isn't he? he's amazing yeah well he, he was a big reason that they were successful last year I just watched him play for South Africa as well he just I didn't just really, I didn't actually believe that he would have the same impact internationally mm. but he, he, he was one of the Best parts of South Africa when absolutely, they play well. Yeah, yeah absolutely. He, he's, a, he's a hell of a player. And, and I mean, the fact that he can carry a, a club side uh, pretty much on his own, not, no disrespect to everyone else, but he, he, certainly in attack, he's, he's a massive, uh, massive key for them. Um, and then, yeah, Worcester, Worcester just, uh, again, you, you wonder where the wins are going to come from with them. They're, yeah. they're, they're, they're tough and they're, yeah, they've got a bit of South African edge to it, if you like. But uh, I just, yeah, I don't know if they've got enough firepower. I don't know if they've got a strong enough pack to to really uh, mix it with the big boys. And I mean, you look at the bottom of the table. Potentially, say for example, Bristol. There, uh, the, the quality between quality difference between Bristol and Worcester on paper is is, is enormous. Uh, whether that shows on the on the field or not is obviously another story. But uh, it, Worcester Worcester looked to be in a little bit of trouble and uh, just a shame, really. But they've always flattered to deceive. They had some great squads over the years. I remember going over to play there. It's a tough ground. It's a great crowd, great ground, really knowledgeable people, good catchment area for, for academies, but they never seem to make it over the hump and, and become a, a sort of top six team that you think they should be. Time now to uh, change tack because we're going to speak about the Guinness Pro 14 and I'm really pleased to say we can speak to a regular contributor to the uh, podcast, James Hook, now of Ospreys, formerly of Wales. Hello, James. How are you doing, Brian? I'm okay, mate. Uh, I, I imagine you're quite pleased with the, uh, well, quite a thumping victory over Cheaters. Yeah, no, we've, we've had a good start to the season in fairness. You know, we've had two home games. Been, you know, the fixed list has been kind to us. Uh, it was a tough old test against Edinburgh, but you know, we scraped through that one. And then, yeah, nice, uh, healthy win against the Cheaters. You know, run a few tries in and 
yeah, it's always always nice to go two from two at the start of the season. But what what's the injury situation with you, though? It's not doesn't look that good actually. Yeah, you know, yes, Scott Williams has uh, got a hamstring injury. He was having a scan today, so yeah, hopefully, you know, he won't be too serious. But you know, he's definitely going to miss the next next couple of weeks. And um, you know, Danny Evans, a fullback, went off with a head injury, and hopefully, he'll be okay. Nothing too serious there. And um, yeah, a couple, couple of bumps and bruises, but you know. Well, I suppose that's part and parcel of the yeah. game these days. A slightly mixed uh, bag for the the Welsh regions. Scarlets uh, recording a, a good win over Leinster. Any win over Leinster is is good, albeit uh, narrow. Did you did you see that one coming? Um, yeah, obviously they had a disappointing result out in Elster. They, they were well, they were disappointed with that, and you know they needed a reaction. And uh, you know the half penny was back in the team against Leinster, and uh, you know he kicked, kicked all his goals, and uh, you know they were vital kicks. And they got them over the line in the end. You know, they've got injury worries themselves at the moment. So, you know, to beat to beat Leinster, you know, the quality of, of players they've got in their team, you know, they'll be chuffed with that. And the Dragons, uh, now again, narrow victory over the Kings. I possibly expected uh, more, but I suppose early on in the season, just building confidence with with wins. The, the, the Dragons, um, again, one of the regions that haven't quite performed in the past as as well as the talent that they've got on the field, might do. Do you think? What do you think they need? They they need to just to to, to make them click. Yeah, well, no, there was high expectation of them this year, and obviously bringing in you know, Ross Moriarty and Richard Hibbard, you know, high profile yeah. players and you know, great players in fairness to them. And uh, you know, they didn't start well, lost at home to, to Benetton Treviso, um, but you know, they, they got a win against the Kings. You know, albeit you know not the best team in the world, but I think it's just confidence. You know, they're building under under Bernard Jackman. And it's important now that you just build build confidence through winning. At the end of the day, you know you can play as well as you want. If you're not if you're not winning, you know you don't get any confidence from that. So uh, you know they'll hope to kick on from you now and um, and you know get some more points on the board. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, you mentioned Benetton, and I sort of detected uh, last season, and I'm sure everyone else did in in the Pro 14 that Benetton were starting to get to be one of these teams where if you weren't quite on your metal. Whatever you thought about them, they were quite capable of knocking you off. And indeed, a few sides went there. They they didn't record all the victories that they might have done. But, you know, Cardiff found them a tough nut. They went down by two points. Uh, so um, how much of that do you think is due to improvements in Benetton or maybe Cardiff, were they complacent? Um, maybe potentially, you know, but I think gone are the days where you go to Italian teams, you know, to Zebra or, or Benetton and get, get easy wins, you know, even at home, you know, you're not guaranteed to beat these teams. It shows how, how much Italian rugby and, you know, in fairness, you know, Benetton and Zebra have come on in recent years. So, mm-hmm. yeah, like, like I mentioned just now, you know, they had a cracking win, you know, uh, away, away from home against the Dragons and, uh, you know, recorded a great win against the Blues as well, who, who are improving every year. You're weighing Cork next, I think, aren't you? Yeah, we'll play against Munster and Cork uh, on Friday night. So, yeah, like I say, we've had two home games, uh, which have been kind now, you know, we We'll have a lot tougher test now to come, and uh, you know, there's no bigger test than Munster away. How differently do you think you'll set up, if if at all? I don't, you know, I think we like say we've got we got the confidence going. You know, we didn't start particularly well last season. We lost the first five or six games of the season, so to win the first two, you know, we've got a bit of confidence going over them. Be interesting to see the selection this week. Um, we'll find out tomorrow actually. So, um, like I say, it's going to be tough, and Munster got some injury problems themselves as well. But I'm sure we'll, we'll bring some boys back, international players as well. So. Uh, you know, we know it's going to be tough. You know, we played Manchester plenty of times. Um, we've won a few times over there, so hopefully, you know, this Friday we can win again. 
Just finally, the um, the way the competition is organised, the divisions and so on, do you think that's now better down? People settle with that, they're happy, or could there be uh, changes in the future or improvements? Yeah, I think it's gone okay so far. Obviously, the, the two South African teams that have come in now have uh, mixed things up a little bit, and you know the, the travelling situation is, is quite tough. You know, probably more so for for the Cheetahs and the Kings. You know, the, the travel schedule is really tough. You know, they've been over here for two weeks, and uh, I think you know took them the best part of two days to get back home. I understand after last weekend, so they've got to get themselves back up for another fixture this weekend. So, yeah, you know, it's, it is tough, but you know, it's good. You know, I think the supporters are enjoying it, and uh, you know, I think it's, it's only going to improve. James, we won't keep you any more because you've answered all my questions, which is all we <laughs> all we ever wanted. Uh, great as usual, lovely to speak to you. Take care, mate. Have a good uh, have a good next few weeks. You too. Thanks a lot. Time now to switch our attention to the women's game and in particular the Tyrrells Premier 15s where the results over the weekend were as follows. Darlington and Modem Park Sharks 27, Worcester Valkyries 24, Furwood Waterloo Ladies 5, Saracens Women 38, Bristol Bears Women 17, Wasp FC Ladies 32, Gloucester Hartbury Women RFC 24, Harlequins Ladies 38 and Loughborough Lightning 22. Richmond FC, 19. To pick the bones out of these results, I'm pleased to say you can speak to Giselle Mather. Uh, hello, Giselle. Hello, how are you doing? I'm OK. Uh, let's start up uh, where we left off last season, I suppose, with Saracens. That's a, that's a, good, a good, solid away win at Furwood. And uh, these Cleal uh, uh, girls, you can't keep them down, can you? No, they're both very, very powerful carriers of the ball. Uh, they've both uh, got good engines on them, so their work rate is high um, and they're very difficult to put down. So, um, And it's not just one of them, it's two of them. Yes. So uh, I would imagine that as the the game goes on, it, it, you know, it becomes more and more attritional from them. And they're both fabulous carriers. And of course, Saracens didn't have Marley Packer playing um, on the weekend either. Mm-hmm. So there's there's another one to add to that as well. Yes, uh, well, it's a case of if, if Poppy doesn't get your Brian, he will, isn't it? That's what they sing at football. Um, Absolutely. Saracens, they, they, I know that they're trying to model themselves as closely as they can on the very successful example of the, the male team. How much do you think they get from being in that sort of uh, very professional environment? Um, well, I, I know that uh, this season Nigel Ray has said that he um, felt that he missed a trick a bit last year because Harlequins are very, very matched up with their women's team and, and have been from the beginning of Tyrrells. Um, but he felt that he missed a bit of a trick last year with, with the ladies and he intends to put that right this year. And I already know that they have they have um, a building links, you know, continually with the with the men's side and it, yes obviously if you're in an environment where uh, winning is culturally the way that things are um, that has got to help them mm-hmm. uh, well your side wasps they're 32 points uh, away from home against uh, Bristol mm-hmm. I know that Bristol obviously as a club um, have lots of money all round uh, mm-hmm. and I, I presume that the the women will get some help from that but you know five tries to start off the campaign including you know, well, it was 80 yard stunner, wasn't it, from uh, Tova yes. Dirk? Very happy with that. Tova. Yes, um, it was. A, it was a fabulous game of rugby, particularly for for an opener of the season. I think both teams did leave a couple of tries out there, uh, where a, a bit of rust showed um, in the last pass decision making 
situations. But um, Bristol, a really good side. They've got fabulous facilities now down there at Shaftesbury Park. It was a, mm-hmm. a, you know, an amazing new new venue that they're located in. And Kim Oliver's doing a very good job with that side. And you can see, I mean, it was it was not until the last sort of 15 minutes that we were able to pull away. Um, and I think the women's game now is, is, is much more competitive right across the board instead of just having one or two sides that, you know, pile on lots of points. Mm. It's not like that anymore. And, and you can see that with, with um, the DMP Worcester game. That's that exactly was what it's going to go on bit. to. Yeah. Yeah. That was one in the last, you know, five, five odd minutes or, or finished off. And, and likewise, Richmond and Loughborough is a close score. We were close for 15 minutes to go. So it's, uh, it's, the, the strength and depth now because of the input that's gone into the league last season and now you know everybody's had good pre-seasons without the World Cup um, taking away the internationals which is what happened last year yeah. everybody's been training together and you can see it the game you know the, it was a fabulous game so that, that, that we were involved in and I think that was pretty much the way it was right across the league Well poor old Valkyries last year well, everyone's uh, whipping girls, weren't they? But this time round, let's hope it's not going to be the case. I, I, I thought at one point they were going to possibly record a victory, but they didn't quite, uh, couldn't quite <laughs> get home against... Uh, Against DMP. against DMP, and unfortunately, the the new signings that they had, a lot of them are still not quite ready yet to right. to take to the field. So they will get stronger. So they've got Lydia, Lydia Thompson, um, Laura Keats is almost ready to come back on the field, which will be fabulous to see her back after the long injury she had. She missed a whole season last season. Um, so you know they've got they've got a, some some good good signings. So yesterday. is Lisa Thompson a new signing? Uh, Lydia. 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 Lydia Thompson. Yes. So she's come back from the sevens. Um, program yeah. and so she's now um, back involved with them um, but wasn't playing yesterday okay. so uh, they will get stronger and I, I think uh, they've been in pre-season since the beginning of May and have clearly made a lot of improvements so uh, they're, they're definitely coming closer and closer to that, that first win and I think once they get it they should end up you know that'll, that'll spur them on and move them forward. Yeah. Well Loughborough uh, Lightning close narrow victory over which went three points, 22 to 19. Mm-hmm. Uh, very much pack-based, uh, Loughborough, I think, that on this uh, this occasion, certainly. They were well on mm-hmm. top for most of the game, so I understand. Mm-hmm. Um, but is it, can you is it, can you get away with 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 uh, a dominant pack and lack of, not lack of creativity, but relative to other things? Or is well, it, they've, they've added now with, with uh, Katie Daly-McLean. So oh, she's obviously the England 10, and yes. she, she's now going to make a big, big difference in orchestrating how how Loughborough play. Mm-hmm. Um, and yes, they've strengthened their pack. Um, Justin Lucas, we lost from, from Wasps up to up to Loughborough um, and, she, and she adds massive um, input into their pack. Um, and they've got a couple of uh, Scottish internationals as well. So that will have definitely strengthened them. But with Katie pulling the strings and her ability, her kicking ability is exceptional. Um, so she'll keep them moving forward and her distribution is bringing in, and then we've got players like Charlotte Pierce, um, who who very, very quick and elusive. So they will be now a much more threat from everywhere, not just as, as you say, just from the pack. They have got threats everywhere and that's our opponents next week. So uh, it'll be a, it'll be a, a, a cracking game and, and obviously covered by Sky Sports next week. So uh, it'll be good for the women's game to have that, that happen. The, the movement between clubs, um, I mean, I think some people will be quite surprised at the amount uh, that, the, that there is in the women's game. But in the men's game, it's very much on a basis of identified need, you know, and so on. Um, is there are there any other factors just simply like uh, 
the need for players to get game time from one, not franchise, but, you know, one one club to another. Can England, do England have the ability to try and uh, manipulate where players play or not? Uh, yes, to a degree. So I think I think the EPS selection um, will be coming out very soon. And so these first two or three games are, are really important for players to stick their hands up um, to get selected into Simon Middleton's squad. Mm-hmm. But the, 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 the movement of players is very much related to game game time and the ability to, to you know be able to compete without sitting sitting on much time on benches so if some if a particular club's got uh, the England scrum half then the, the second England player isn't going to go to that club yeah. and that's where a lot of movements happened and also now players looking because of the materials and the funding that we've now got players looking to see where their need may be so for yes. example you know um players moving around to, to get specific coaching in certain areas um, where they perceive that there, there are strengths of, of coaches in certain clubs and, and that definitely helps helps uh, recruitment for, for certain clubs and I think you know as it as the, the international stage beckons more and more now it's uh, it's definitely something that players want to do and the Tyrrells is a real platform now for the England coaches to look into and, and draw players from and you know players like Shauna Brown last year broke through um, hadn't been recognised before but her performances in the Tyrrells moved her up into the to the England squad and, and saw her get capped and, and others likewise so uh, it, it's definitely something and a reason why players are moving from one place to the next OK, that's great. Great to speak to you, Giselle. Thank you very much. Please speak. Thank you. You'll come back and speak to us again this season, won't you? Absolutely. Love to speak. Thank you very much. Take care. Bye. Bye-bye. Well, that's uh, nearly all we've got time for, suffice to say. Uh, Eddie Jones, who was at Bath this weekend looking at Danny Cipriani, amongst others, he must be given some cause for thought. George Ford, Danny Cipriani or Owen Farrell? Well, it's, you pay as your money, it takes your choice. And uh, the best thing about it is it might be all fit. Uh, if only we had the same problem with selection at number seven. That would be quite nice, wouldn't it? Uh, but there again, you can't have everything you want. Only a year out from the World Cup. Please, Eddie, get this sorted. Because if we don't, then we're not going to win. And we don't want that, do we? You've been listening to Brian Moore's Full Contact in association with The Telegraph. Thank you very much for your attention. Thank you very much to my co-host, George Shooter, and as always, my producer, Abby Padson. Please subscribe to the podcast to make sure you don't miss the episode and write a review whilst you're there too. But for now, it's all we've got, so goodbye. I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. And this is Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. We are a new show breaking down the anime news, views, and shows you care about each and every week. I can't think of a better studio to bring something like this to life. Yeah, I agree. We're covering all the classics. If I don't know a lot about Godzilla, which I do, but I'm trying to pretend (laughs) that I don't right now. Hold it in. And our current faves. Luffy must have his due. (laughs) Tune in every week for the latest anime updates and possibly a few debates. I remember, what was that? (laughs) Say what you're going to say and I'll circle back. You can listen to Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect every Friday wherever you get your podcasts. And watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or the Crunchyroll YouTube channel.